Welcome to the Yav Podcast with Kelsey on South Sharav Radio. Hey, ring the alarm. Hey, whoa. Uh, I hate this trade. Welcome to the Yav Podcast. <laughs> oh, man, I hate this trade so much. Where I'm... Uh, where I'm joined by the the all-time Canadian college basketball scorer and uh, and friend of the podcast, Anthony Bachelor. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing well, sir. I, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I, I think I told you this earlier, but I'm like, when I woke up this morning and I saw the trade, I was like, God, Jesus Christ! Like, we got to talk about this, man. Like, <laughs> I just didn't. <laughs> you know what it is? It's just because we've been we've, it's been talked about the death so much. So the fact that it actually happened, I I really didn't think the Clippers should have made the move. To be honest with you, like I was, I was like, totally against it from the Clippers' perspective, you know. Uh, but to see, you know, the, to see the move that they did, I mean, I'm just gonna pull it up right now, just so I can have the exact uh, details of the trade. Just want to make sure I have it here. Yeah. So James Harden, PJ, PJ Tucker, and I'm not even gonna pronounce this dude's name. Uh, he don't play. Felipe. Felipe, yes. <laughs> for, for, or, or Philippe Petrusev, uh, they go to the Clippers and return. The Philadelphia 76ers get Marcus Morris Sr., uh, Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington, Kenyon Martin Jr., a 2028 unprotected first-round pick, two second-round picks in 2024 and 2029, and a pick swap in 2029 as well. Um, the Thunder are joining in the trade. They're sending a, a protected 2026 first-round pick to the Sixers in exchange for a 20, 2027 first-round pick swap with the Clippers. So on top of all the picks that they already made or, and took and swapped with the, the Clippers, they're getting yet another one again, which is just, to me, it's just it's beyond crazy. And, of course, the 76ers wave Danny Green. I know you feel bad about that. Uh... I do because he took less money in order for it to work. Mm, true. So that's that's kind of a shot to, to you know someone that says, "Oh, you know, you want me on your team. I'm willing to be part of your team, and I'll take less money in order that we can structure uh, my contract so that we can get other people on board so that we can build a, a contender." So to now, I mean, again, it comes back to James Harden being selfish as ever. He's not worried about anybody else but himself. Mm-hmm. Then again, then again, I don't necessarily know what's going on behind the scenes. Maury has already kind of showed his hand when he was in Houston. He's made his remarks. League had to deal with that. Um, he's kind of showed his character through uh, through all these little mini events so so far. But in terms of you know Harden being Harden, and then where he is in his career, and in the age at that, and where his ability is to to, to score and then, you know be able to handle games, and then now looking at the other side of the ball where sometimes he disappears. What has he done in the playoffs? For him to make a, a blatant request saying I want to I want to trade, but I want to trade to the LA Clippers. I don't think he's really concerned. And mind you, I don't. I mean, it's a doggy dog uh, dog world. You know, you make whatever request to be for yourself, but at the same time, where it affects other people, where they made a sacrifice in order for you to actually get your money, yeah, kind of come back and looks kind of bad. So, how do you feel about the trade? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with that being said, <laughs> you know what? It's good for Philadelphia. Um, 
it's somewhat good for the Clippers, but it's a wait and see for the Clippers, I feel. Um, they assembled their team with the likes of Paul George and um, uh, Kawhi Leonard. And it hasn't really worked out to uh, to this point. Um, they added uh, Russell Westbrook, which added more questions of whether Westbrook would be, would be able to sacrifice his game for it to work. And he has done so. Yeah. But then now, again, he has now conformed his game to not being heavily used within the offense and has accepted a, a, a role um, to where he's the third option. And it's now worked for him, and he's he's kind of – it seems to be that he's kind of comfortable with it. And now you have James Harden that says he wants to go to the Clippers. And the question was, when he first asked, was, why would you want to go to the Clippers? Now you're ruining what they already have. And they re-signed uh, Russell Westbrook for the cheap. I know. I mean, he's at a three, like $4 million, three million dollar right deal. $3 million, right? actually. Three, $3 million, okay. So with that being said, all that has happened and – Yet, James Harden now wants to go to the Clippers. And this is where I say it's a wait-and-see type of deal because now I hope James Harden, given that what he said in the offseason, he wanted to be the main guy. That's not happening here. So who's going to take a step back? Because I don't see Kawhi doing that. I don't see Paul George doing that. No, Kawhi's, Kawhi's got to right? eat if he's healthy. And so does you know Paul George. You know what I'm saying? And so now do you now leave – Westbrook to take another step back so that James can get inserted to where he's the third option, but Westbrook sits now as a number, as a number four. Man, I just think that's a little too much. Yeah, but with the way the the contracts are constructed, um, Paul George nor uh, Kawhi Leonard has extended their uh, their contracts, so they're still lingering with the player option for next year. Um, same thing with Russell Westbrook, but he's on a four million. So his four million dollar deal is for next year. I think that's where I got the numbers mixed up at. So you got four million from Russell Westbrook, and he got Kawhi and Paul George earning forty eight million next year as a player option. So I feel like the Clips are basically saying, "All cards, all cards are dealt. We're going all in. If it doesn't work, then you know what? I think at that point, player option. These guys decide they don't want to come back." or they do want to come back, then we'll figure it out from there. And hopefully they have another game plan for the afterlife of the 23-24 uh, season. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's interesting to me because I'm like, if you're the Clippers, right? Like, if you're – forget Harden for a second. We'll get to him. But, like, if you're the Clippers for one moment, how do you sell this 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 trade to your fan base in the city of Los Angeles? So just, just in terms of the narratives. So I, I'm thinking you're looking at it like this, like – you're you're doing all you can to make yourself appeasing and relevant to the city, you know what I mean. Now you got you, by creating a big four, you're now showing another example of to your point of pushing you know all the chips into the table, right? And, and your team is being wrapped by by four guys from the L.A. area, right? In terms of Kawhi, PG, uh, Westbrook, and now Harden because Harden's from Compton, right? And what better way to like win a title? with guys who are quote unquote one of us, right? Right. And by trade and by, sorry, go ahead. I'll say I was gonna say that that'd be huge. Yeah, no, for sure. And by trading James, you you've assured Kawhi, like if Kawhi and Paul George get injured, you at least have somebody that can temporarily fill the gaps until they get mm -hmm. back. And also just like the Dodgers, just like the 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 Rams, you're not afraid of the future as long as they can help win the title right now. 
We don't care about right. the future as long as we can win right now, right? Right. But to me, here's the actual reality. Forget the narrative. Here's the reality of it. Um, the the only way this works is under two reasons and two reasons only: if they all stay healthy mm-hmm. and coaching, and they only have yeah. and, and there's a guarantee only one of those that they have, and 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 that's coaching, right? It's coaching. Yeah. yeah. But like these guys, it's kind of like the like the Clippers right now are kind of like a tightrope. A tightrope walker just walking across the uh, walking across the Niagara Falls with a, with a fridge on their back, like that. <laughs> to me, that's how they're, they're moving right now because they don't control or own any of their picks for the next six years, right? Mm-hmm. To your point, all members of, of the of the Big Four are up for potentially for free agency all next summer. Mm-hmm. Ty lose up for contract in two years, and you hear rumblings that he may or may not stay. Like he doesn't want an extension; he wants an actual full contract. And like because of all the picks that they gave up five years ago and the picks they gave up like I guess essentially today, the rest of their picks, like are they forced to give James Harden whatever he wants? Like because of because of like just because of what like what is he gonna ask for? You know, and it can't be the max, obviously, because you need to pay Kawhi and you need to pay Paul George. But will he walk if he doesn't get paid? But then also who else is gonna pay him? So this this is like a whole weird it's a whole weird situation at at the same time, and then on top of that too, like, how does this fit for these guys, like playing wise in between the lines, especially for Westbrook? Because to me, I think Westbrook has become he's become like their vocal leader. You know what I mean? And he brings that energy that the team I think they really needed because Paul George isn't really that guy, and we know Kawhi's a mute, right? Like he doesn't bring that that vocal leadership, like that rah rah that you kind of need on on your team. And and the team was a little too quiet, as great as they were. They were they're unhealthy and they were too quiet. And he brings that a different energy that they actually need. You know right. what I mean? But by bringing Harden in, do you now negate that the remaining gifts that Westbrook gives you? Like if he, like if he sacrifices, like, uh, I should say more now, will that actually hurt the team in that way? You know what I mean? Like to me, I, there's, there's I, so much things in this where I'm just like, it's just I don't know, man. It's like like I said, it's it's like walking a tightrope. I think it's gonna go back to it's gonna go to checking your ego. And the biggest question mark is, is James Harden able to be that guy to where he checks his ego? I think with Westbrook, I think it's, I think it might remain the same. Um, it, it could be almost like a Golden State type of situation where you start Russell Westbrook, but then you, t- you pull him out in the first five minutes and then you shift James Harden over to the point guard position if you were to do that. So that now you keep the minutes for Russell Westbrook to where he still has the high usage enough to, for the role that he accepted from the last year coming into this year, where he can now play with the second unit and be able to create the same way he was from last year. Um, I think with James Harden coming in, he'll be slotted into the shooting guard position. Now, what do you, but I, at first I was like, this is not going to work. I don't think it's going to work at all. But then I had to think, I was like, wait a minute, let me put myself in the position of the Western Conference. We're living in the East Coast right now. We think about the Eastern Conference only, not so much the Western Conference, but now looking at the Western Conference perspective, how do we get to the NBA Finals? Who do we have to go through? We got to go through the Denver Nuggets, of course. Uh, we got to go through potentially Sacramento if they start playing defense. Um, we got the Los Angeles Lakers. But the biggest one that everybody's looking at is the Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing that people are talking about with the Phoenix Suns is they got three people that you got to guard. 
So they don't have a legitimate point guard. They had pretty much, essentially, we're talking, I would say more so, I feel like Devin Booker's going to be more so their point guard to handle the rock. Um, they say it's going to be Bradley Bill, but it, uh, that can that can switch. I think they can, they can alternate with who's going to ball handle. Even Kevin Durant can do it himself. But now you have three guys that you have to defend. So Bradley Bill had made a comment, hey, man, you're your third best defender now has to guard me because it's going to go in order of Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and then myself. So now Clippers have kind of taken their their method of, well, you guys got three scores. Mm. Uh, well, we, we now have four. So now you're going to have to figure out your fourth best defender now has to guard essentially Russell Westbrook, who was high energy. That might be a little too difficult. So now if I had to pick between the two teams defensively, who's better? Mind you, they gave them two crucial pieces, but they got one back in P.J. Tucker. Mm. Zubac, Zubac cleans up the glass better than I would say Nurkic, Z- uh, Zubac. But they also, but Clip, Clippers also have uh, Mason Plumlee. They have two guys they can go against now. If it gets a little too crazy, Mason Plumlee is more offensively sound than Zubac, but Zubac yeah. is more of a defensive, a defensive guy. Right now, the Clippers are actually looking pretty dangerous. Hmm. The the biggest question mark is, does Harden see it that way? Or is he too worried about himself to where he's like, I don't care what this could potentially be. I want my own. So I'm going to go, get off. I'm going to make sure all these teams around the league know that I'm still that guy. And you're going to pay me another bag for maybe two, three years. But I don't know how many teams are going to fall for that because I, the, he's. Oh, I can tell go, you, there's, there's no teams that's going to fall for that. <laughs> I, 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 would, I would agree. I would completely agree with you on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, no team is falling for that because I mean, really, the only team that was competing, like the Clippers, are basically competing for themselves for Harden. <laughs> you know, essentially, this, this, like, for the past two months, basically, right? Like, because nobody, nobody wants to deal with Harden at this stage now, and nobody right. wants to have to be in the position where they have to pay him and give up, right. like, because especially to make the money match, you got to give up either players and or picks to make the money match, and who wants to do that at this stage when you know he may leave? You know what I mean? Like I, I think right. what I think what Harden the biggest thing with Harden where it keeps him in check is because there's there's usually a honeymoon period. I can't believe Harden's at this point now where he's Harden's been on his fourth team in the last three years. That since That's since crazy. the bubble since the bubble he's been on four teams. This is crazy. It's not even four. It's not even three years. Like this is this is nuts. But like with him, I think going back to L.A. is. Number one is going to keep him in check on top of the, uh, uh, and I'll t- number two, the honeymoon period is going to keep those two things. I think is going to rein him in for this season at least, or three things because the other part is he wants to secure a contract. So right. I think those three things are are going to be the the barometers of what what like locks him in in terms of like staying focused for this season. But you're like <laughs> Harden's a flashy guy. We all know about the off the court stuff. We won't even get into all that. But like. <laughs> But like you're going, you're going back. Not even you're going back home, but you're going back to LA, where it's like glitz and glamour, and you know what I'm saying, like paparazzi and four hours from Vegas. Yeah. Drive wise, when I'm yeah, talking it, it, it ain't far from Vegas. It's just a quick no. flight. You no. know what I mean? It's uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know this this the, the off the court stuff is um, you know. Playing at home, depending on where you, or who you are in your career, it's like, you know, I'm 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 usually against guys going back home to play for their, their hometown team. But if you're a little bit older, 
You know what I mean? You got a family, got different things. You're not on the scene as much as a player. Okay, you, you can, I can rock with that a little bit. But he's still on the scene, man. Like, <laughs> he's still very much on the scene. So that's the part that, like, concerns me a little bit, too. You know what I mean? Like, he's back home, but he's not back home as, like, a guy with, like, you know, a family. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's got his kids at home, so it's like he's chilling. He's, he's on the scene. He's on the scene with wealth. Private jet access and celebs ready at the hip. Well, but it may also change though because now he's he's hot he's hopping into a different tax bracket. That's damn near fifty percent. So mm. may, that might that might tone him down a bit <laughs> because remember he he was he he was in he was in Houston, loved it there, tax free. Tax free. Then he went then he went to Brooklyn. Oh man, jeez, man, man, that didn't last long. Mm. He left and then ended up in Philadelphia. Not too sure about the tax bracket is, but uh, it wouldn't be. Uh, it's nothing crazy like New York's, but it definitely is nothing touching compared to uh, California. Cali, uh, Cali's the most expensive, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. He, he's 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 in for. I mean, he's in for surprise. I mean, if it's, if it's, if money's the concern, but I feel like more so. I mean, at the end of the day, James Harden is still a good player. It's just that his attitude is terrible, and it's not showing that it's changing for the better. That's a crazy thing, though. Like, how, how does he keep getting away with this? Like, I got two kids, right? Like, I, and my kids are at the stage where they kind of tested you now, right? Mm. <laughs> so, so you gotta you gotta keep the lines in check at, at this certain stage. You know, you don't lay down ground rules. They're just gonna keep. They're at the stage where they're just gonna keep doing stuff over and over again until you until you break the habit. Right. But nobody's breaking this habit. Like he's he's done this three times in the last three years, and it's worked every time. He's gotten to the point where he had me rooting for management. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I was at the point where I'm like, you know what? If they just let him twist in the wind, I'm actually cool with it. Just because I'm just tired of seeing him do this. You know what I mean? Especially as, as like a player with, like, the resume that he has. Yeah. It bothers me to see him doing this. So the fact that he did it again, I think that's what, that's what I said. When I woke up this morning and I saw that trade went through, I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Really? He got away with this again? Like, that's how it's, I felt. You want to know how crazy it was? I was actually up when I saw the when I saw the breaking news. That's what made me actually turn the TV off. I was like, "Yeah, it's time to go to sleep." Wow, I'm gonna be seeing this right now. This is crazy. They actually fell for it, and the, and the fact that you did it at two o'clock in the morning, it really says a lot too. Right. Right. Like how long were they? How long were they working on this? Yeah. How long were they working on this? Yeah. Was this was this all day? And they said, "Man, this is getting late. Man, we got to figure this out. Uh, whatever, we'll do whatever it takes. We got we just gotta get it done." I mean. I would I would only assume if it got to this point, some other people must have gotten involved. Because I think with the with the disruptions, mind you, there's loopholes for everything. Right, the NBA has has put in place certain policies now to where people can't pull these little games. Ben Simmons has started it, so therefore, certain things were changed in the collective bargaining agreement. So now, as James Harden being a free agent, for him to pull the same stunt that James uh, that uh, Ben Simmons pulled. It wouldn't work out for him financially, so he would have lost a lot of money. So now he showed up to practice, and then all of a sudden he takes off. He's like, I'm dealing with a personal matter. A loophole. Do we really know he's dealing with a personal matter? You can't really question it. You're discrim- you're, you can possibly discriminate saying, nah, blah, blah, whatever, whatever. You're touching a, a, a sensitive, sensitive topic subject, now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so now it's like, I got to leave it alone. But now I think when we knew that it was, it was a little more serious than it really was, or than it has looked at least, is when he tried to board the, the team plane, and it's Kerry said, "Nah, you're not getting on." Now, I think at that point, I think I think management had finally said, 
okay, we're fed up. We're, we're not doing this. Like, it's not, we see what you're trying to do. We can't call you on it. So we're just going to end it now. And I think that kind of forced their hand to say, we got to get this trade done. And then I, I think even better with, with Tyrese Maxey going off the way he was in these first couple games and uh, Philadelphia 76 is not doing so bad against the Milwaukee Bucks, especially yeah. with their additions. Mm-hmm. I think it showed that, you know, we don't need this guy. Get, get him out of here. Uh, we'll just figure this out. Um, but I, I, we got to get something in return. It's funny that that first game, I thought the same thing. I thought that was that game to me was like, a, oh wow, we can really live without this guy. And it's not a drop off. It's not. It's not a real drop off. Now I know guys are having a good game, but like you can see the future. You know, we can get to Philly right now because I think it unlocks Maxi number one. Yeah, a hundred percent it unlocks Maxi. You know what I mean? And you're seeing the stats right now. I mean, it's early, of course. He's averaging like 30 a game. I don't know if that's going to stay, obviously. But but with that said, you, you I mean, we all kind of knew that he was ascending to a point where he could be an all-star. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So so if he's not going to be that this year, he's going to come really close. But, like, you yeah. can see, like, like he's ready to be unlocked right now. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I think that's the biggest thing, number one. And then I think number two – I don't know if you've seen Embiid play so far this year. Embiid is looking a little more Jokerish than than he's that he's ever had in his life. Yeah, meaning that he's playing I, his best all around ball. But I think some of that too is is and that goes mat- coaching. Yeah, some of it is coaching. Some of it is the his maturity. Some of it is with Harden not being there. Now I got to put it on myself to make. I can't depend on my point guards to make my team better. I got to put it on myself to make my guys better. And you've seen the. You've seen the result of what a big man does that because the you know the the the, the chip is in Denver right now. You know the Larry OB's in Denver right now as, as as proof of that, right? So so like right now he's averaging 31 10 and 7. 7 assists. I would I would love to agree with you on that. But when you mentioned the word maturity and the stunt he just pulled on the last game where he they said he was doing the the the, the pops uh bang bang dance Man, the, the moment I saw that, I said, "This is what my guy is doing right now." I celebrate, man! If you're a killer and you know you're a killer, I listen. I know emotions get the best of you, but that was too far. That was way too far. I, but again, you know what? Man, who knows what was being discussed on the floor? But I tell you right now, if you're that guy, a seven footer, and you're claiming that you're the best center in the league right now and honestly you're not but okay that's what you want to go ahead and make it the baby ball by all means go ahead but i tell you right now i'm gonna put this solely on coaching because remember you got someone that has 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 faced this guy multiple times dealt with him in the playoffs regular season so he knows and has seen his 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 his, his weaknesses and his advantages in terms of okay you know what I know what I can, I, where I can sell with this player, and where I might not be able to sell with this player. And one of the biggest problems that Joel Embiid has had is when it comes to double teams. From what I've noticed, he can't pass out of double teams. He had a hard time with that. So I think it's more so his quarter awareness had to get better. But I think now with James Harden now being so demanding, he knows. Okay, when this ball comes to my hand, I have to go look to see where James Harden is. Now it's more of a I can find the open guy. Yeah, I don't have to, I don't have to make a cross court pass. I can go ahead and find the first guy that's open, where you have no options in in Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, DeAnthony Melton, and now it's gonna whoever the the next person is to slide into the power forward position, um, it could be that guy. And 
now those 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 weapons could be utilized even a lot harder. I think Paul Reed will probably get slotted into that. I know Nick Nurse had mentioned that he wants him to be more offensively sound, but he's another high energy guy on on the defensive side. So I can see why they got or why they let go uh, PJ Tucker. Yeah. They got some defensive studs, man, and that and one of, one of my biggest things that I mentioned uh, to a couple of people so far, I was like. Honestly, I think Philadelphia is now the contender. Philadelphia defensively can't touch you 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 told you told me this, and I'm like, I want okay, I want to hear your point on what you what you're saying about this. But you were about to tell me this today, and I was like, no, save it, save it for the pod because I want to <laughs> I want to hear the breakdown of this because we said that I was about I, I I was about to throw my phone out the window, but then I'm like, okay, let me let me pump the brakes and let me let me save my phone. There's there's got to be some reasoning behind this. So go ahead. So let's look at it this way. We're right now the team out of the East right now is you got two in the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics. And then there's so, everybody else right now. Right? And then yeah, there's everybody else. So you have the let's start with the Milwaukee Bucks because everyone is talking about them and they're, they're heavily favored because you have Giannis and then you have Dane. Giannis can either kill you down low. And if you do, if you choose to double team him, he's kicking it out more so to Dame, a closer, or even your other closer, the un, the unforgotten player in Chris Middleton. Mm-hmm. You also have Brooke Lopez, okay, and whoever else was a Malik Be- uh, Beasley, I think is the, the next guy that's that's starting. He's starting, yeah. I will say this: Who is your best defender right now on that team? Perimeter wise, they don't really have. A, a, a guy right now defensively. That's a huge problem. Yeah. I'll so, perimeter-wise... Because when they, they go up no against defense. Boston, Boston has two of the elite ones. Two elite ones? Two elite defenders on the perimeter? Two, no, two of the elite offensive players on the perimeter. Like, they got two of oh, the elites. Right. Well, one doesn't go left. But anyways, uh, <laughs> he, we'll leave that one He's on. working on it. He's working he's on working. it. <laughs> but he's still he's he's still a killer. I don't want I don't want to take nothing away from from Jalen Brown. He's he's a killer and on his own. But I mean, it's kind of important says he ain't going left, and you're kind of taking yourself away. But that's neither here or there. But so now let's go. Let's transition. Or no, I'm going to keep on with Milwaukee. So perimeter defense is not there now. Inside the paint now, there's the defensive side of things where you have Giannis and then you have Brook Lopez. So now let, let me tell you this. If Giannis plays the power forward position, and let's just say we switch up and put uh, – you now have Tobias Harris either playing at the high block or is on the perimeter. Are you telling me that you're going to put Chris Middleton out there on Tobias Harris? Because you might be able to utilize him somewhere else to where you're not overexerting him because he has all those injuries. I don't think I want to put him to such – Exertion. If, if 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 I wanted to be smart about that, now you got Tobias Harris that now has new new role. Tobias has been good. I think he's a, a truly underrated player. Um, a lot of people don't give him a lot of respect. I don't think so. Defensively, he's good. Offensively, he's good. He fills up the stat sheet. Doesn't complain. He's that guy that that will go to work for you. So now let's let's we'll, we'll leave Tobias alone. Who's guarding Tyrese Maxey on the Milwaukee Bucks? Yeah, that's the other part too. They're, the, right. the, the the perimeter D is is not gonna is gonna have to work itself out this year, right? So then now Joel Embiid is Giannis gonna stop Joel Embiid, or is Brook Lopez gonna stop Joel Embiid? Because now Joel Embiid will stretch you out 
to the perimeter. So Milwaukee, if we're really if we're really dissecting it, they had some weaknesses that probably will get exposed. Right. So now the next team we're going to Boston. Boston doesn't even have a, a legit big. They have Kristaps Porzingis. He's not stopping. Poor. He's not. He's not stopping MB. No way, he's stopping MB. I, I was going to say Al Horford is. <laughs> Horford is. Well, yeah. Well, you got to play him. So, so now do you adjust your starting lineup? Because now you're going to go ahead and you're going to now put Porzingis now in the second unit, or do you shift somebody else out off? Which do you do? You take Derek White and put and and put him on as a six man. Mm. I don't know. I think that still hurts you, anyways. Because at the end of the day. If you if you're not if you don't have Porzingis guarding Joel Embiid, that means he's now guarding Tobias Harris. Yeah. And defensively, I mean, there's a uh, there's uh, there's an obvious height difference with Porzingis and Tobias Harris. But as good as Tobias Harris, I think he could actually slow him down anyways. Just make sure he doesn't get down to the block and and keep him outside because off the dribble, Porzingis is not necessarily doing that to get the shot off, right? So. Boston now poses as not so great in terms of matchups with uh, with the Philadelphia Sixers, 76ers. But now my biggest thing about this is if this trade holds, the the, the Philadelphia 76ers have some major studs, and they got Anthony Melton, they got Tobias Harris, they got Paul Reed, they now have Robert Covington, Nicholas Batum. Joel Embiid, when he chooses to play defense, I feel like he's hit and miss sometimes. Um, he's a defensive guy, but I feel like he takes breaks uh, more so to leave and put the offensive in because he needs to put that offensive progress on here. Mm. And then I almost forgot about Pat Biff, a pest. Um, there's a problem. There's, there's, see, there's a problem here. And I'm not even talking – and I haven't even mentioned uh, one of the Morris brothers, but who knows how long that's going to last. But <laughs> right now, Philadelphia, it looks like a problem. Right? They look like a legit problem right now. I feel like you're putting a lot on it, bro. That's <laughs> you, 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 you think so? You think so? I mean, think about it. You're starting lineup alone. Now think about the second unit. You're not getting yeah. no points anyway. You're not getting what? You're not getting points. You're, 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 you're not getting no points anyway, but you're going to have a hard time getting points now. Yeah, now, I'm they, not saying they that. Got, they got a little bit deeper. My my issue is is Batum. I don't know what like what he has in the tank left. He was pretty much out of the rotation with the Clippers. So same thing with Covington, to be honest with you. But Covington's been in Philly before, although mm-hmm. under a different coaching regime. But at least he's been there before, so he knows the the you know the franchise at the very least. He can play with Embiid. Um, the fact that they they have about fifty to sixty million that they that they could basically wipe off the cap this summer, to mm-hmm. me is like I think that's going to be huge. And because of that, I think you can. You can use that as trade leverage for this season, right? Because I'm thinking of like, for example, like you know, everybody's talking about <clears throat> the two franchises that are like <laughs> everybody's watching, like a like a vulture right now, which is the Raptors and which is the Chicago and the Chicago Bulls, right? Because Chicago right now is they're they're basically got to blow that team up, and DeRozan is a free agent after this season. And you got Zach Levine. So you're going to get rid of one of those guys, if not both of them, and blow it up if if they're going to decide to make a move, especially if they, they continue to struggle. You know, as well as, I mean, you, you could even get, like, even guys like Caruso and stuff. Like, these are, they, they got some pieces they can move if they want to just tank and start over. 
And and then you got Toronto, which is under the same position too. If they if they start struggling, everybody's waiting for this OG shoe to drop. You know what I mean? Everybody's waiting for to for Siakam. I mean Siakam. There's rumors that he could have got moved this summer, right? And he's a free, he's an upcoming free agent too. So it just depends on what they want to do. Now I'm not saying they would trade, you know, with the Raptors in con- in, in division, much less in conference. But there's moves to be made with that kind of cap space. Like and any and speaking of Tobias Harris, Tobias Harris is a free agent too. He's a free agent after this summer, or this summer he'll be an unrestricted free agent. So. You have money to get a third person to play. It doesn't, and the thing is with them right now, especially if Maxi's playing well, it doesn't even have to be like a superstar. It could just be like an all-star level player. You know right. what I mean? As as long as he fits into that system, like you're good but to go. You, but you got to remember, some of that money is going to be locked up for Maxi for his extension because what? he's got he's got to qualify in the offer next year. But then the year after that, oh man, if you're not paying this kid, yeah, he's gone. He grows some runs. For sure, and for sure, you gotta lock him up. But that's a, that's my point, though. You can still get somebody else. Yeah, but so, now who who do you now pick up? Because now, let's say a Zach Levine, who's still fairly young, uh, how much are you gonna pay him? Yeah, right now he's getting because he's if you got forty, 40 to 50 million, right million right what, what, what's the what's the number we're looking at right now? You said it was forty to fifty million that they just locked up, pretty much essentially. They, they anywhere from fifty to sixty million they can they can wipe off the books this summer. Fifty to sixty million. So right now, Zach Levine is making forty million. He's he's to he's got, including this year, he's got four more years, and he's going up about two to three million each year. So by twenty twenty six, which would actually essentially mess up the books for the Philadelphia seventy sixers, if you really think about it. Um, that be I don't think they'd want to hold that. I think they would be more prone to go after OG who's making only 18 this year. And I'm pretty sure his number will be within the 30 million range because he hasn't proven otherwise that he's a 40 million guy, a $40 million yeah, guy. Yeah, he's not going to be that. He's not going to so, be that. And, but, and but, but, least, but the thing is, but think about it. Even with DeRozan, DeRozan's making about 25 to 30 mil, and he's 34 years old. He's not going to command 40, 50 mil. I think that would be right. a perfect player to go with to go with what they got right now. What does he give you? What does he give you, and what are you going to give up for him? I mean, we talking about trade, are we talking about trade this year, or are we talking about signing him next? Year? Well, you could look at either option, right? Like, like if if he's off the books this summer with the Bulls, you could probably get him for maybe about the same price for a couple of years. I'm thinking, you, right? You want to pay? You want to pay him that much money for the next? I don't know. Let's say two, three years. Two, I would say two years. I, I would do two. like a Van Vliet where it's like a a, a three year deal, but the team option on the third one because he's 34 years old, right? If you're trying to win now, like DeRose is not a bad player to take. Siakam yes. is going to want some money, so I don't know if you know trading for Siakam might be. The, it's kind of like the Levine thing. He's going to be asking for at least forty mil. Right. So I think with the TV rights that are coming into play and the salary cap moving up within the next couple of years, if you were to offer DeRozan twenty to thirty million dollars, I feel like he would say no knowing that that number could go a little bit higher if he went to a different team. The role that he'll be playing on the Philadelphia 76ers, I can see Darren Morey being the guy that he is, offering like $18 million, $20 million, something like that. Like, I, I don't see him offering anything in that range to where he's like, you know what, I, I, think, it's, it's, I, think, it's, I think it's perfect for me to go here. And then at the same time, what would his role be on the 76ers anyways? 
Well, I mean, I would say third third score. I mean, I know he's never been the greatest defender, but like I would ra- I would rather put my money in Tobias Harris only because I know Tobias Harris will give me defense on the other end of the, of the, of the spectrum because again, Tobias hasn't had that role. We've seen Tobias in the Clippers and he showed you the offensive side of him and it was crazy. Tobias at Orlando, crazy. But everyone has forgotten about that because of him just accepting the role. And it's worked out for him. And his character, it's just who he is. And it's, it's amazing. It works out for these teams. But now, if you're saying that you'll give up a – and I'm not saying that DeRose is not a high-character guy. He's a high-character guy. But in terms of how his game plays, does it fit well with what they need for the Philadelphia for the decision? If I was going to invest my money into another player, a third, a third option player, I feel like I would invest in more into Tobias Harris and just let him know that his his role is increased, and we need him to be more of an offensive guy. But the same type of defense he brings, I would rather my money go towards him as opposed to DeRozan, just because he can give you both sides of the ball. DeRozan, great offensive player, but defensively, again, there's weaknesses, and you got to think about those teams that you got to go against in the playoffs. That just having the offensive side, that's not enough. Anybody can score in the league now these days. It's just, it's just, it's, it's imminent in terms of getting points. But now we're forgetting the defensive side of things, and you're starting to see teams now looking for, all right, we need, we need, we need a defender, a legit defender, uh, through the three and D guy, right? So, uh, I don't know. I mean, Philadelphia's got a ton of them, and the thing is, these roles for these players that got traded here. It may be something as simple as I just want you to play defense. I don't need offense for you. Um, if we can find you on the on the motion offense that Nick Nurse likes to run, guess what? It'll work out for you. It's just a matter of can is that ball going to move uh, the way it should? And I feel I feel like with with Nick Nurse, the type of offense that he runs, the, the offense he ran with the Raptors at least, that was the type of offense that he that he wanted. Um, so they may they may actually get that. Well, and so go ahead. Now I was just gonna say also another advantage now with Philadelphia and the Milwaukee Milwaukee Bucks, you have two guys that left the Toronto Raptors. Each coach knows each other's uh, styles, and uh, with Adrian Griffin being the first time first year coach, uh, he he might get exposed. Um, he lost his offensive guy in Terry Stotts with whatever blow that happened with that. Yeah, nobody knows what so, happened with that. That was the weird one. Right. So now you got to figure out offensively what's going to happen. Um, Adrian Griffin doesn't necessarily have that mind, but maybe he does. Maybe he'll figure it out. But now uh, Nick Nurse, same thing. I think he's more of a defensive-minded guy, but at the same time, he's an ex and old guy. So he could probably put that together probably better. And you know how it come, when, when it comes down to the playoffs, it's – it's, you have your team, but it's more so who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna coach better. If you're gonna get out coached, you're, you're most likely gonna lose. And you saw you saw that in the likes of the Miami Heat with uh, Eric Spoelstra, where yeah he out coached uh, Budenholzer, Tibbs, and um, who's our last team? And then uh, yeah, Missoula. Missoula, yeah, yeah. So Missoula. I think I think that's what's gonna come down to. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, it, it, I mean, it definitely makes for an interesting trade. They definitely got a little bit deeper but like i said i think because if you look at the if you look at the 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 2024 class of free agents it's not strong right especially if like the clippers guys don't um they if they don't take up their options or if they take up their options it's not it's not strong 
So, like, if you're looking at that, that's to me, that's why it implores more of like a possible trade. Because I think at the end of the day, with Embiid, like you're in win now mode. Like, like you almost you have to treat Embiid as a win now mode because of his injury history. He's getting up there in age. Well, not getting up there, but he's in a he's in a peak of his prime right now. Turning thirty years old, you know his injury history. At this stage, you don't want to. You can't look at the next three, four years out right now. I'm not saying you can't look at the future, but you know, but you can't look at the next five years. Like you got to look at like the next two or three max. You yeah. know what I mean? So, so to me, it's like because the free agent class isn't strong this year, and you got some potential, whether it's moves, picks, what have you. Like I, I think it could be interesting to see what they do, but I I don't think they're done for some reason. I just I don't feel Maury's done. But at the end of the day, who do you think won the trade before you wrap up? Uh, Philadelphia, easily. Easily, wow. Okay, easily. Well, I, I'll say this: I think I think the Clippers, I think the Clippers in the short term win because they don't have a choice. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like after this season, this could be a house of cards. Right. You know what I mean? But like, and, and even even with this move, that's a, that's a crazy thing about this. And this is why I didn't like this move in the first place with the, all these rumors were happening. Because mm -hmm. even with this move, like, it doesn't guarantee that they're going to win anything. I still don't put them above Denver. I still don't put them above certain teams, though. Like, to me, they're kind of in the same spot. Maybe they might mm -hmm. move up a little bit, but I don't, I'm not putting them above Denver. Because at the end of the day, like, yeah, there are four stars and f former MVPs and all of that stuff. You got a former MVP backcourt. But at the, at the end of the day, these guys haven't played together. Somebody's going to have to sacrifice. It's, it's the big four, but you, there's only so much. Like, this, this isn't the 2005 Pistons. You know what I'm saying? Where everybody's going to get, like, 17 to 20 points and everybody's happy. That's not, it's not how it's going to fly here. Yeah. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, I, I'm looking at it like, Who's who's gonna sacrifice? Who's gonna like? Like who's gonna be angry by, about it? I mean, Russell doesn't really have a choice because of the salary that he makes. So if he if he takes the hit or he, or he ends up like coming off the bench, I mean, for three million dollars, he's gonna have to kind of deal with it. But I don't know if that really helps. I mean, it, it helps the team in terms of their their bench production. But I like I said, just the energy that he he brings. Like, is he gonna be the guy that you're just bringing off the bench and that's it? And in the end of games, like he's sitting on the bench, or is he going to be part of that big four? Does that make them smaller too? Because now, I mean, everybody there is like six three to six seven plus Zubac or whoever you're going to play. That makes them smaller against the bigger teams, right? If you had to meet up the, the meet up with the Denver, you meet up with the with the, even the Lakers, like it puts you in a, a at a disadvantage if you're playing on, like you know what I'm saying with with with, with those big four at the end of the game. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see, but I think right now they don't have a choice. I think in the short term, they kind of win the trade right now. But, and it's so much pressure to win too. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's so much pressure to win. They're moving into a new arena, like a big new, you know, flamboyant arena next, uh, next fall. There's so much pressure for them to get this together and to win a title in eight months. Uh, it, it could happen, but I just, I won't bet on it. But like if Philly plays this right, especially if they can move certain pieces, I I think they I, I I would agree that they could win the trade outright. But I think I think after this season they for sure win this trade. But but just because yeah, like I said, I don't I don't see this I don't see this foundation being strong right now. Let me ask you this question: Who do you think has a better chance of making the NBA Finals, the Los Angeles Clippers or the Philadelphia 76ers? Right now, I don't think either of them. 
<laughs> you don't. So you don't. You don't think the Philadelphia 76ers have, have have bettered their chances of making the NBA Finals or getting out of the Eastern Conference, as opposed to the LA Clippers? Like the LA Clippers got to go through a lot of people. The yeah. West is deep, but the Eastern Conference is not that deep because now if you play it by seeding wise, and say you know what, uh, let Milwaukee take the one seed. You know what? We'll go ahead and we'll take the uh, the three or sixty because now that means we won't see you in the second round. Or no, sorry, yeah, we won't see you in the second well, round. They'll see Boston. We'll see you. Yeah, yeah, you'll see Boston. But now again, now you're playing by seeding. Massive wise, who's a better matchup? Is it going to be the Milwaukee Bucks or is it going to be the Boston Celtics? So now I would say, you know what? I'll play my cards this way. And me personally, I would say I would rather see. Um, I would rather see the Boston Celtics first, actually, if I was Philadelphia. I don't know, though, because as good as Maxi is, you got two guards that can hold him down. You got Holiday and White. So that's you, got, you got Holiday. White, yes, yeah, but no, I don't know. But now you have Joel Embiid. What do you do with Joel Embiid now? Yeah, but the thing was with Embiid, too, and listen – I've been an Embiid guy for pretty much his whole career, and I almost flipped off the bandwagon after watching him play uh, last year in the playoffs just because he has an underrated history of not coming through either in the playoffs. You're, right. You're absolutely right. So, so that to me was where I'm like, he needs to prove it to me that he can like, that he can go to he can go to full length. You know, Boston's proven that, Milwaukee's proven that, he has not proven that. So to me, it's like if you're gonna make him play Boston, I'm like. He's got to prove to me that he can go the distance, and, I, and I'm not saying he doesn't have the like he doesn't have it within him to do it. He does, but I need to see it now. I I, I don't I'm not I'm not leading it. I'm not being led by blind faith anymore when it comes to him. I'm just this not. Way. We've had many arguments, many discussions about Joel Embiid. <laughs> I'm not even a fan of Joel Embiid, and even for myself right now this year, all this stuff that people have been saying, Joel Embiid, he's a better center than 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 Jokic. Okay, you want to know something? Here's his chance to do it. You ain't got no heart now, so go ahead. Show it that you are. I don't think – well, for, for starters, he ain't better than Joe Jokic. That, that's off top. I don't, that's not even discussion. I don't even want to talk about that. But he now has opportunity to be that guy to say, you know what, I can't leave my team. Let's see it. This is the time to do it. But at the same time, if he were, if he were the one to be smart and let that ball go when it needs to be gone and he can – can and get himself in better condition. I think he can be a problem. Yeah, it's like I said, it's it's up to him. It's uh, honestly, it's up to him w- with with what he does. But it's, it's all about the playoffs at this stage. I don't. I'm still putting him as a number three seed right now. But and I think that was even before our, the Harden trade. So they they did get better in that sense because they got a little bit. They got more players to be a little bit deeper. I'm not crazy about all their players, but underratedly, I like Kenyon Martin Jr. Though. It's going to be interesting to see where, where where this goes. It's going to be interesting to see. But let's wrap it up here. Um, <laughs> we were supposed to do a, a a prediction pod, but then this damn trade got in the way. So uh, we're, we're going to push that back about a couple of weeks. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, let's wrap it up here, brother. Thank you for uh, for coming on the Ave, man. It's uh, for this emergency, another emergency podcast. I hope there's no other trades coming through, major trades coming yeah, through in, in the near future. But. The, the way this league is looking, uh, who knows? Probably happening by 2 o'clock again tonight. Shit, I know. We might be doing at least one of these a month. <laughs> might seem, it might seem to be at this point. Oh, but uh, no, I appreciate you for having me, though. Yeah, man, no doubt, no doubt.